welcome to the Emergence Discipleship Podcast, created to equip ourselves with insight, background, and context into the themes and topics we study each week, first as we gather together to worship Jesus, and then as we go and make disciples. Let's dive into this week's discussion. All right. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to week eight of fall 2022. I, as usual, am your host, Doug Becker, and I am joined with my partner in crime jordan marotti there you I, go. I, I always you well, do it every time you expect me to say my name and just look at me and right. i never get it on cue <laughs> jordan marotti yes. doug's partner in crime just think of finishing <laughs> my sentences all right very nice all right uh, in case you missed last week we are now doing our seltzer reviews at the end so you can all write in your letters of disappointment yeah, and you can just skip to the skip to the end Ab- for the seltzer review. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just skip to the end. We'll we'll time stamp it. No, no, I won't. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, this week we are uh, continuing our journey through Acts. Ryan is moving at a fast pace now, uh, as Paul was seeking to be in Jerusalem by Pentecost. Uh, our fearless lead pastor is seeking to be done with a book of Acts. By the time uh, Christmas Advent starts. So <laughs> there we go. Um, so we are actually looking at Acts 21, 1 through 22, 11. Um, we're not going to be, you're not, I mean, you can certainly read all that in your group if you like, but, you know, definitely it's okay. Um, in fact, I give you some places in this study guide this week where I summarize um, so you don't have to read the whole thing. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be like, don't read scripture. So do what you want. Um, (laughs) My summary of the message is a heart centered on the gospel gives us the right perspective for living life well. Okay, Uh, let's just look briefly at some of the announcements here uh, beforehand. Uh, So uh, first of all, uh, just let's remember to thank God for all the families who dedicated their children on Sunday. Uh, It's always great to see that and uh, how, how God is just blessing people with this next generation. Um, And then uh, coming up this coming Sunday on November 20th, we're going to be having that worship night. So come one, come all, 7 p.m. total campus. Um, No need to sign up, of course. Um, The uh, Winter Blast registration actually uh, closes uh, this, uh, I guess that would be Friday. 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 All right. It's a weird day for registration to close. Usually it's... Yeah, it's be like on on a Sunday or Saturday. It is weird. You're right. Yeah. All right. Jordan and I are drinking um, eight month old coffee right now, but it came out pretty well. It did. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wonderful. It's from the coffee place that Jordan used to work at, which is. Uh, it was. Fr- it's from Paper Plane. Pa- paper Plane. This, uh, this roast is actually gone. We don't. Oh, can't, it's can't gone. Get this anymore. Well, it'll definitely be gone by the time we're done with these cups. <laughs> we have to. We have to empty the coffee so we can get a clean seltzer. Yeah. Chip test at the end of this. The advantage, of course, from coffee to seltzer is I'm not burping into the microphone the entire. And podcast. I'm not struggling to not burp the whole time. <laughs> like I have been. We'll see how I do when I'm not also fighting back that experience. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. A lot less exciting of a podcast that way, um, at least for us. And then finally, um, just remember to be announcing winter sessions coming up. Uh, I fixed the date on it. I, I think uh, last week I wrote December 4th, which is actually a Sunday. Uh, so it's on Monday nights. It's going to be starting on December 5th. 
going through January 16th with a week off for Christmas. And the topic is going to be the archaeology and historical background to the Old Testament. So um, I think it's a pretty interesting topic, had a lot of interest in it so far. So check it out. And if you can't check it out, make sure you're, and even if you can, make sure you're subscribed to the Emergence Sessions podcast. You'll pick that up on there. And if you have not um, done that yet or subscribed yet to the Emergence Sessions podcast, there's some really great sessions from the previous uh, set. And then there will be some more from the archives coming out at some point soon as well. Yeah, exactly. All the all the content will be out on the on the sessions podcast. So, um, yeah, um, I haven't gotten around to putting it out yet, but it will be up there. Um, okay, let's dive into the study now. So, this week we follow Paul as he finally makes it to Jerusalem. In the sermon, Ryan identified three things on display in Paul's life that are essential to a great life. And since this was Family Dedication Week, he also showed how these are applicable to parenting. I've kind of strayed away from that direction in the questions uh, this week, of course, that like I'm not like, you know, uh, getting everybody talking about parenting. I feel like we've done that before. And, um, you know, um, there's enough groups where, you know, you don't you don't have uh, parents in it. And so, Um, okay. So the first thing that Ryan discussed that makes for a good life that you see here in uh, these chapters about Paul um, essentially getting arrested in Jerusalem is purpose. So here I have another one of my uh, finely crafted paragraphs for you. (laughs) We pick up in verse 8, which follows Paul's short stay in the coastal city of Tyre. As we saw last week, Paul is aware of the almost certain danger that awaits him in Jerusalem and the disciples in Tyre urge him not to go. Uh, Nevertheless, Paul remains steadfast in the conviction that he expressed to the Ephesian elders, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Okay, let's go ahead. Now, you guys have been hearing enough of me read, so I'm thinking... Why don't we fire up Mr. Marathi's chocolatey voice, um, <laughs> who's going to pick up for us in verse 8. I almost just made a rev noise and decided that joke would be not worth it. But I, then I mentioned the joke, thus ruining it anyway. I'll say one thing that you could be thankful of for Ryan skipping a bunch of <laughs> verses this week uh, is that you don't have to make someone feel weird by making them pronounce a lot of strange city names. Oh, yeah. You know, Only a few city names. Only a few now, yeah. So. All right, so we'll start in verse 8. Yeah. We'll read on through till verse 12. Mm-hmm. All right. On the next day, we left and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we remained there for a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says this, this is the way the Jews in Jerusalem will tie up the man whose belt this is and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, both we and the local people begged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Okay. So here we see, right, Paul, like understanding what uh, likely awaits him when he gets to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, of course, being the real hotbed of persecution. Um, uh, at this point, uh, way back in, what was it, like chapter 7 or so, um, might even be earlier than that, might even be, well, way back when, 
that I can't remember. The, the, it gets so heated that the the Jews, the Christian Jews, are kind of like dispersed, right? Like there's, and then and then following that in uh, AD 49, there's that edict of the Emperor Claudius expelling um, uh, Jews from Rome. Uh, at and as as we read in Suetonius, at the instigation of Crestus, right? So this has been like a hotbed of Christian Jewish controversy, and now here comes the guy who's like planting churches all over the empire and yeah and that's where he's headed yeah that's where he's headed so we start off with a bit of a heart question have you ever faced a dangerous situation in doing what you believe god wanted you to do how did it turn out yeah so i feel like you could take this in a couple different ways you could take it um at a more intimate heart level or you could take it at a very factual experiential level right um yeah and men some of us will totally have some factual experiential like danger it placed me in danger by saying or believing or trusting or etc um i feel like i would probably angle this conversation with this question a little bit more toward um like have you ever like what is an example of a space where trusting in the gospel and actually pursuing vulnerability in that relationship or actually pursuing uh, like the courage to say the hard thing or mm. whatever. Um, like it, where you were in a situation where you could have taken an easy way out and instead your mm. belief in the gospel drew you toward the more courageous, more put yourself at, at risk yeah. position. Um, I immediately think of like intimate relationships, like mm. with friends and with family um, mm. or with just close, close coworkers and whatnot. It's like how, um, I need to have this hard conversation and this could go very poorly for me. Mm. Um, but the gospel calls me to have it in transparency and you might find and, more people relating to the yeah, question. That's, I think that that's way, why yeah. I bend that way when I yeah. answer it. Yeah. Plus Jordan just, um, proved his bona fides as a millennial by calling it a space. Um, <laughs> did I call what did I call a space? Uh, you said something about like, have you ever been in that space where dot, 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 <laughs> He's got like a green, that he's got a green where... plant in back of him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, that's very good point. Um, yeah, um, I mean, uh, yeah, if if you have experienced uh, situations of physical danger, mm-hmm. you know that would be fine to to share as well. Totally. You know, uh, to, for me, uh, one thing that always comes to mind with that was when I was living in Chicago. Um, I had about, uh, I was going to, to my undergraduate, my college, my Bible school. Um, and during the whole time I did like, a I was a big brother to three kids in the projects mm-hmm. and to get them every week, I'd have to like walk in. And this is like Cabrini green high rises, like very mm-hmm. projecty projects. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to walk in like several blocks and then go up to the sixth floor of their building past drug dealers. There's like no lights in the building and stuff. And everyone's looking at you like, what are you doing here? Um, uh, and that was that was the scariest. And it was like weekly. I'd have to I knew I was going to have to do it again. Mm. But I mean, it was became the joy, you know, and eventually you get to know know people and stuff. But mm. that was that was that was uh, frightening. And, uh, you know, the Lord just uh, over time blessed me in them knowing that I care about them, you know, and, and knowing that I love them in the name of Jesus. Like not only was I just like someone taking them to McDonald's or to play video games or, or, or basketball or do, you know, to the, we sometimes go to the gym or we'd go swimming or something. 
Um, but you know, they knew that like, I actually loved them mm. and, uh, that, uh, it was in the name of Jesus. So that was a tremendous blessing. And I'm just, I'm glad that God gave me the courage. Cause usually, you know, I, I can be quite a chicken. Mm. Um, but as many of you know, my middle name is danger. <laughs> so <laughs> Douglas danger Becker. Yes. Yes. Um, some people call me DD, but, uh, they, I don't. That people would confuse that with Dunkin' Donuts sometimes. So, um, <laughs> I'm all about the dad jokes today. Okay. Um, so next up, we'll read Acts 21, uh, 13 through 14. Why don't you take that one? I will. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> You're nice take long, it anyway. Nice I think I interrupted you. I'm that's, sorry. <laughs> that's right. No, no problem. It's great. Then Paul answered, "What are What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart?" For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Okay, so Paul has a strong belief about what the Lord wants him to do, and those urging him not to go have strong opinions as well. Um, what can we, and, and right, like, I don't know if it's like obvious that either one is right, mm-hmm. right? Um what can we learn from Paul's answer to them about how we should respond to other believers who disagree with our convictions about what God wants us to do? Uh, right. So like you've got, um, um, you know, this, this course of life that you believe the Lord wants you to go on and others just don't agree with it. And you're mm-hmm. both kind of operating in a good conscience. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, one of them is like, if you look at the the loving way that Paul, like, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? You know, like, there's no ambiguity about his affection for them and his mm-hmm. respect for them yeah, and him true. seeing them as equals and everything. And even though he's basically going to take zero of their advice, um, like... He's like, he leaves there no room for ambiguity there. Um, He also doesn't disagree with them. You know, he doesn't say like, no, I'm not going to die. I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, he like, he speaks very rationally and logically still. The conversation is not, I think I'll die or you think I'll die. And I think I won't. The conversation is you think I'll die. I agree with you, but also like, I'm, I'm prepared to give my life for Christ. And he, he's advocates or he, um, he speaks to a point that's higher than that, not disagreeing with them. He's saying like, no, but that's worth it to me. Don't you see that? Isn't it worth it to you? It's worth it to Christ. I know that. Yep. You know? Yeah. And there, I think there's a real tactful challenge mm-hmm. to by his own example, right? Like, it's not like I'm mm. a spiritual giant and you guys need to do like I'm doing, but like... He has called I, people to be imitators of him yeah. as he imitates Christ, though. Yeah. And so he, it's a he, humble way of doing it, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah. And so, like, he's he's setting an example for them as well through what he's willing to do for Jesus. Yeah, it's interesting to me when I was um, – I, I don't want to take us off course. I don't sure. want to keep us moving. But the um, when this came up during the sermon, I was uh, thinking in the back of my head about all the times where Paul knew, like, oh, I can escape this one and survive to preach another day. Mm. And this is not, like – like other times he had to be held back by people like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like you're going to die if you go in there. And they just held him back. Like, nope, you're going to preach yeah. another day somewhere else. You're and gone. he was like, but I'm ready. <laughs> you're out of here, buddy. <laughs> so he, his heart, I think it's more a question of his heart posture before the Lord. Yeah. Um, Cause there are sometimes when he doesn't remain on if there's like, yep. you know, and so, so like sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, 
I suppose one thing that might come up in your group that would be helpful to just remember is like, why does he feel so strongly he needs to go to Jerusalem? Mm -hmm. And the reason is that if you read the letters that he wrote around this time, um, so Romans, 2 Corinthians, etc., I say et cetera because I can't think of any others that he wrote around this time, <laughs> um, is uh, he's taking a collection for the Jewish Christians who live mm -hmm. there. I think I might have mentioned that in one of my paragraphs. Um, but the idea is that if you think about, like, the, clearly the big issue in the early church at this time is the unity between Jewish believers in Jesus and Gentile believers in Jesus. Like, are we going to be able to be in the same church together? Mm -hmm. yep. And... Um, and that attitude was felt way more by Jewish believers, like um, antagonistic towards Gentile, or at least suspicious towards them, right? Yeah. And so he's got all these churches that are largely Gentiles, not to say that they're not Jewish, but we've seen what, how it goes for the, him in the cities, right? Yeah. Um, and he makes a love offering from the Gentile Christians to bring it, to bring that financial support to the Gentile Christians. And it's more to the than, Jewish Christians. Yeah, to the sorry, yeah. to the Jewish Christians. Yep. Yeah, glad you're tracking with me here. I got you. Um, because and it's more than just the financial help, right? Yeah. It's it's this tangible act of love. Like here are these others who have never even met you, and even if you didn't have that antagonism, the fact that they're just like across the world, and this mm -hmm. might be the first time you're even hearing of a church in Thessalonica or a church in Philippi, right? Like these brothers and sisters love you enough to give out of their poverty. Mm -hmm. um, this is a fellowship offering, a koinonia offering. So that's why he feels so strongly he has to get it to them. Yeah. Um, okay. He, he gets to deliver that not just gift, but the good news that comes with that gift, that the unity found in the gospel is true and real. Yeah. And that is that message and that gift and the message that comes along with that gift is in Paul's eyes, absolutely worth dying for. It's a beautiful example of the gospel yeah. in all of their lives, it's not the just thing. Paul's life. It's the product of the gospel. Exactly. This side of heaven yeah. is the unity of the church. That's why he cares so much about that. Yep. He cares about two things, probably more than anything, the preaching of the gospel and the unity of the church. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what does this say about unity within the body of Christ? Good question. Coming on that, the heels of that. So and again, this is this is their answer how they're how he's interacting with them, um, and well, I think one thing like there can be unity when there's some disagreement about the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Unity um, unity is not uniformity. Yeah, it's something we've talked mm, about a lot. That's a good point. Here, yeah, that yeah, to agree to walk in walk united like arm in arm with one another toward the same goal is not necessarily to be the same person or to be exactly the same in all ways, mm -hmm. you know, um, to have a gospel centric, uh, teleos, right? Like we, we want to see disciples made. We want to see the gospel preached is not necessarily, um, the same as we agree about every, every minor detail yep. of our worldview. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now that's not to say that there can't be significant differences. And mm -hmm. that's not to say that some differences can't be legitimate problems. Absolutely. Sometimes, Absolutely. Know? But like. I think it takes like Christian maturity and wisdom to be able to distinguish those things. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Like I, I think you need a lot of clarity and warrant mm -hmm. to be able to say like, here's something that. And, and even then, like you, you need to pursue unity, mm -hmm. even if there is, you know, significant differences on things. 
Um, here we have a heart question. Based on your actions, what would an observer say is the purpose of your life? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, sorry. I, was I say, missed you skip, a question. You skipped one. I yeah. skipped a question. What an I, idiot I am. You know, I didn't say anything because I was really wondering if you did it on purpose. out of that question. Oh, no. No, that's okay. I mean, yes, I did it on purpose. <laughs> sorry. Back up. Based on what he says here, what would you say is the purpose of Paul's life? <laughs> I... Well, again, this could be a great, wonderful, deep conversation about all the things we know about Paul and we learn about Paul as we read his letters and his interactions and acts and whatnot. But a a really good way to start this or just a good back pocket answer to have is I think very much what you're saying. The things he cares about most are the preaching of the word, the preaching of the gospel and the unity of the church, the unity of believers. Yeah. Right. Um, And so I think he very much thinks that his life is like he, he is willing to give up his life for the upholding of those two things mm-hmm. right so that's a good maybe i don't know if that's a description of yeah. the purpose of your life right no that, <laughs> i mean a, that's that great. Feels pretty good that's great yeah yeah he's he's willing to give his life for those things for the for, for yeah um i think or I think, such that if giving his life would benefit those things then he's more than willing yeah 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah he's not just like stupidly like yeah. let's go die yeah yeah um yeah. And that I think is part of the that's part of the wisdom in knowing like when he when he is willing to give it and when he knows it's the next it's a day to walk away because it's hey, my giving my life right now would this would this serve those two things? Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. At the end of the day that it's one thing, it's Jesus, but those two things are a good way to talk about it. Yeah, well that that's good because I think like sometimes when we think of like martyrdom, mm-hmm. the giving of one's life for the testimony of Jesus, um you know, it, it it can be for, you know, not the greatest, like, it should be done for, like, you, I don't, I don't know how to word this um, without sounding really, like, flippant about martyrdom, <laughs> but, like, it should be done for the, for the right reasons, mm-hmm. like, 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 there should be, it's accomplishing something by that, like, of yeah, course. Very much if the testimony have, of having given your life. Like, do you walk into that, a situation yeah. like that? for a reason and we can think about that as as anything that might induce suffering in our lives right totally, like yeah. is there a reason why we're walking into that or is there and another that, way to do it yeah. and we're just you know because you can people will walk into that just to seem righteous or just to seem holy or to prove trying to prove something to themselves or to others yeah i'd say that goes both ways too because if you are like someone who is willing to give up their life um for the sake of their belief in Christ, right? At the end of the day, the their passing for that belief, it's a testimony to the strength with which they held that belief, mm, yeah. right? Um, and so if that is something that benefits others in belief, in belief mm-hmm. right? And God will utilize it in that way. But that yeah. is true of suffering too, right? Like if you oh, yeah. willfully walk into something that you could have avoided suffering-wise, mm-hmm because of your belief in Christ, then that will be a testimony to those around you uh, that the of the strength of your belief in Christ, right? yeah. and which hopefully will encourage stronger belief in Christ in themselves. Right? And yeah. that's the same, that's the kind of thing I was talking about before with, are you willing to put yourself in danger? Um, I am willing to go and have that hard conversation mm. because it, like a, as a witness to my belief in Christ. Right. right? Yeah. 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 Um, it's a, uh, yeah, it's definitely, you know, something that should spark a lot of uh, a lot of conversation in your group about about purpose. Um, and so, the, yeah, the next question now, <laughs> B, 
based on your actions, what would an observer say is the purpose of your life? So this is so convicting. Because like, we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's so it's such a convicting question. Yeah, dude. like you might not want to answer it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously though, ask. I mean, all right. So I'll um, for me, I guess. I think a lot of people looking at my life might think that the purpose of my life was is parenting a lot of kids, mm. you know, because it takes so much steam out of your engine to be able to do that, you know, mm. and um, that like I, and I know like there's definitely ways to like use your parenting to amplify your witness to the gospel and to bring opportunities and stuff, but like. I confess that it, it can take so much just to do the basic things that have to be done that any that everything that people know about you is just is just your family mm. right as opposed to your family as Jesus centered or your life as Jesus centered and this is one way I live out my walk and my walk with Christ yeah, what rather I just do what a parent would normally do Yeah another way to ask this same question that's getting under my skin in a cool way is um like if your actions were on the witness stand about your life, what would they say? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is its purpose, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So either an observer or your actions as a witness, yeah. Yeah. What What would you say for you that your purpose is to grow, grow a glorious beard? <laughs> if that was my or, purpose, I have failed. Uh, I, have, I don't know about that. It is no quite way. straggly, Doug. No way. Um, you look like you'd have like two stone tablets in your hand. <laughs> I, um... Yeah, I I think that some of the things with which I get passionate about um, become loud voices on that witness stand, mm -hmm. you know. And so I, I have this tendency to be very passionate about a few things, right? Um, and not every single one of those things is blatantly some gospel-centric yeah. thing. But what's interesting about that is like – so I'm thinking about some examples in my life, right? Like the most obvious gospel-centric one, like I am just such a Bible nerd. Mm -hmm. Like that's true. Like, yeah, I actually yeah. will just like nerd a geek out about cool random. Well, I say they're cool. You'll but talk about facts it. about yeah. the Bible. Yeah, um, yeah. Any anything and, that you might say that has to do with the Bible, just come and say it to Jordan, and he will listen. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, and um, but it's not just that. Like when I think about what what my time spent on says mm -hmm. about the other things I'm passionate about. I am. This is funny. I am passionate about coffee. I am passionate about music. I'm passionate about uh, art. I'm passionate about games i'm passionate about time with friends i'm passionate about etc there's like a ton of things yeah. on top of that list which has not been mentioned but hopefully goes on needing to be mentioned i'm passionate about my wife and my fam yeah. and my family and mm -hmm. like those things when you look on like how does he spend his time what does he spend his actions on um the i feel like gospel maturity in some ways is acknowledging and recognizing how those things are when they're in the right heart attitude yes they are proclamations of the gospel. They amplify the gospel. Exactly. Than, it's than whether you eat or yeah. drink or whatever you do, do this to the glory of God. Yep. Um, and so if God's being glorified in those actions, then the purpose of your life when, with those looking on will be to glorify God. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. What, what would your actions say about the purpose of your life? Yeah. Yeah. So it could, could be good opportunity for vulnerability in that. Uh, yes, on, it could. I'll just be completely vulnerable and just let everybody know that I just itched my back with a, a letter opener. And I will uh, acknowledge that it took a lot of skill to not comment on it while I was talking. <laughs> you like lose. You're like, uh, uh. 
All right. Um, um, so one more question. Yes. Let me get it. Um, in the sermon, Ryan said that Paul is all about pursuing the glory of God rather than his own glory. And what does it mean to pursue the glory of God? And why is this a worthy aim, even if it means suffering and going without? And just jumping into it real quick. I, that's literally what I was just saying. And mm-hmm. I didn't read ahead. So I did not realize that's right. that that's where it was going. Um, but is the purpose of your life to glorify God and do your actions testimony that yeah. witness to that? I think another way of um, another way of phrasing glorifying God that I like a lot is making much of God. Mm. Uh, you know, in all that you do, uh, m- magnifying Him. Yeah, I think glory is a church word. Yeah, glory. It's one we can, don't use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a Bible word, so it, it passes. Yeah, right? but, but still, it's like uh, so just, that doesn't mean people know what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not as if we really even know what glory of God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, our highest thoughts of God. Like when we see Him face, when we actually experience His glory, you're mm. like, all right, yeah, that's way more well, different the, than I, I thought. I think know? we, because the Bible does this, mm. we we chunk together the concepts of the presence of God and the glory of God. Yeah, but I I think it's helpful to think of those as two separate things because when I hear the word glory, I think of fame. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know that the the word that's mm-hmm. often used for that kavod is like has like this weight connotation, heaviness, like weightiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. heaviness. Um, but it's like in the sense that's a this is a really funny one, but fame is really helpful for me in that. Mm-hmm. So like when someone says, I'm just picking a random famous person when someone says like Adele walked into that store over there there's mm. like suddenly the situation is like oh there's a famous person over there there's this weightiness to yeah. this, to the situation it's like is do you make Jesus's name famous yeah. in is a, is a great like non-churchy way of saying do you glorify Jesus yeah right that's the way I would say that probably yep. yeah he- yeah yeah I think I think realizing that it is um associated with the concept of weight mm-hmm. is is uh, is a helpful way to think of it and you know it's a worthy aim because like there really is nothing greater that you could give your life like, like there's mm-hmm. literally nothing greater in existence <laughs> than god that you can so anything that i would and 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 sometimes i think like when we think of like giving one's life we think of like oh i would die for this mm-hmm. but I think like the question that confronts most of us more is, will you live for it? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, um, and there's, there really is like, there's no higher thing than God and his, and his glory. And, um, and so like when you're talking about something worth doing, if there's anything worth doing anything for, it's the glory of God. Yeah. And yeah, which, mm-hmm. which humbles us. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to read our next passage. Yeah, go for it. So, our, so we're, we're transitioning to the next section oh, that makes for a good life. Major on the majors is how is how uh, Bates will put it. Yes, and I really appreciated that section personally. Yeah. Um, all right, so verse 17 through 26, we pick up. Uh, and just again, I, I don't say it anymore at this point, but I, I tend to read in the NET. So if you're wondering, if you're sitting in the podcast with the Bible open, and other than a, other than ri- driving in a car or something were you else. NLT last time or oh you, you know I, I think I might have read NLT okay yeah NET is a terrific Bible if you're looking for yep. the best notes out of any Bible yeah. that you'll find yeah at least in the kind of notes that I like yeah they're <laughs> they're very nerdy but they're wonderful you'll click on every other word has a number next to it you yeah. click on it and be like we use this word because etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. other people like using this word or this word and here's why they like using it yep. <laughs> it's very helpful um, all right starting in verse seventeen. When we arrived in Jerusalem, the brothers welcomed us gladly. The next day, Paul went in with us to see James, and all the elders were there. 
When Paul had greeted them, he began to explain in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all ardent observers of the law. They have been informed about you, that you teach all the Jews now living among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What then should we do? They will no doubt hear that you have come. So do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may have their head shaved. Then everyone will know there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself live in conformity with the law. But regarding the Gentiles who have believed, we have written a letter having decided that they should avoid meat that has been sacrificed to idols and blood and what has been strangled and sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men the next day and after he had purified himself along with them, he went to the temple and gave notice of the completion of the days of purification when the, sancti- when the sacrifice would be offered for each of them. All right. Gracias. It's just totally clear. Totally it makes clear. Perfect sense. Exactly what's going on here. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so uh, first of all, um, I do have a significant leader's note that I don't think I'm going to read here about like the significance of what this vow is. This is likely a Nazarite vow, although maybe not, but it's because of the shaving of the head mm-hmm. that it sounds like that. Um, and so I just give you some details as to like what that is. Um, and uh, at least as much as we can know about it from scripture, like we don't know a ton about Nazarite vows. We just know what we're told. And, yeah, and the idea behind that being if people see that Paul even uh, encourages the greatness of following the law, like the Nazarite vow, as an example, then yeah. they will know that he re- he regards and respects the law. Is yeah, kind of yes, yeah. The from. whole idea, yeah. The whole yeah. idea is that like he's not jettisoned. The Nazarite law of Moses vow is like a varsity because law. it's yeah, it's over and above. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. doing this, you're taking the law super seriously. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, in verse 25, James reminds Paul and us of the ruling of the Jerusalem Council back in chapter 15 which was an answer to certain Jewish believers who insisted that, to be saved, Gentile converts must be required to submit to circumcision and the law of Moses. The apostles and elders concluded that this was incorrect and sent letters to the churches affirming that salvation was through faith apart from works of the law and that Gentiles should only be asked to observe regulations that were expected of non-Jews visiting Jewish communities. Essentially, be good guests. Okay, so if observing the Old Testament law is not required for Christians, why does James decide to send Paul to participate in these vows, and why does Paul agree? We kind of just answered that, I think, but, well, sort of, like what the significance of the vow is, right? Like that this is, mm-hmm. like, you're really keeping um, keeping these the, the cleanliness laws if you're maintaining a Nazarite vow. Yeah, well, if it's um, if this is about hearsay, yeah. right? It's people heard you say that, and so now they think that you don't care about the law at all. Yeah, it's like so it might just be wise, you know, to show them that you care about the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as not to make it an issue. <laughs> yeah, because Paul could go on. There's plenty of places in his letter that you can mine mm-hmm. for a much more nuanced. Um, opinion not opinion but his much more nuanced teaching about how the law plays into the christian life right like being dead to the law right the law 
uh, being a schoolmaster or a tutor that mm-hmm. led us to to the point of the gospel, yeah. um, or how the law combined with human sin brings death, mm-hmm. even though the law is righteous and good. Yeah. Um, and so, but th- I, their wisdom in this and talking with Paul about this and suggesting this vow and with Paul fulfilling it and going yeah. like clearly agreeing and yeah. it says, so yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do it. He yeah. just, they just says, so he did it. It's like the yeah, it's like um, the first thing that that they anybody would should know about Paul is that he has a high regard for exactly. the law of and God. I, I think that their their wisdom shows that the goal here was. Um, to remove this big distraction. It's like they warn him, like, hey, these, the Jews are not going to listen to you if they think, etc." And he's like, oh, well, that's not true. So let's just go ahead and do something wise that will show them that I do care about the law, yeah. etc." Yeah. You know, so it's almost like, is this like, hey, Paul, this is going to get in the way of the gospel. And God, and Paul's just like, Psh, well, I'll do anything I need to to make sure there's nothing between me and the, and the gospel yeah. and my hearers. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And just to be just to be clear, because I'm, I'm just being conscious of how we've described it, or at least how mm. I've described it, mm. Paul himself does not seem to be under this vow right now, although yeah, there yeah. is a place where he has he cuts his hair. Mm. Um, I think it's at Kinkrei, um, but um, back in Acts 18. Mm-hmm. Um, but he rather is supporting two people. He's paying their fees. Yeah. So he's super involved. He's, in he's sponsoring he's people who really approval. care about yeah. the law as, as opposed an act to, of approval. As opposed yes, to exactly. telling people, no, you don't have to do this. Yeah. Totally. So, okay. Um, so, yeah. So it, it is It is essentially because, um, you know, they, they, they realize that it's important to, main, to maintain good relationships, even with people who are opponents and to put... And to not put unnecessary stumbling blocks in front of people yeah. coming to the gospel. This is a great example of how um, more ancient writing just assumes a lot of its reader. Like it didn't say that Paul agreed. Yeah, it just it, it, it intuits it. It's like he went and did what they suggested, which yep. means he must have agreed. So now I'm going to think. Of, it's, I'm going to take the time to think about like, oh, Paul must have agreed with that, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Rather than it being laid out for us in a lot of the way that we read things today. And also kind yeah. of like submission to the elders in Jerusalem. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. You know, like, he's not like, who are you telling me what I should do, James? Yeah. Because this James, by the way, is not James, the brother of Zebedee. This mm. is James, the brother of Jesus. He's not even technically an apostle. He's yeah. the leader of the elders there. Yeah. You know? So he's not like, like, I'm the apostle to the Gentile. Don't tell me who, you know. Yeah. No. Like, he's like, all right, no problem. And he's like, you go pay. It doesn't say James gave him some money. Yeah. Yeah. Paul's just like, all right, I'll pay for it. What are you holding there? He's patting down his pockets. He's like, what are you planning (laughs) on doing with this 50, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, You have a note here, another leader's note, um, that Paul describes his personal policy on such matters Mm -hmm. in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. I I, I have it open. You want to just read it real quick? It's just a couple of verses. Let us have it. Yeah. All right. So 9, 19 to 23 says, for since I am free from all I can make myself a slave to, oh, sorry. (laughs) Since I am free from all, I can make myself a slave to all in order to gain even more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to gain the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to gain those under the law. To those free from the law, I became like one free from the law, though I myself am not free from God's law, but under the law of Christ, to gain those free from the law. To the weak, I became weak in order to gain the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all means I may save some. I do all these things because of the gospel so that I can be a participant in it. 
By the way, this this like nuanced Pauline perspective mm-hmm. on the law and the Christian that I alluded to a minute ago, mm-hmm. pretty much all the nuggets you need to understand it are in that passage. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in the interest of time, we won't uh, try to unpack all of them. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, um, it's it's a very helpful passage. And mm-hmm. I think you clearly see what Paul, why Paul is so willing to do this here. Um of course, First Corinthians is already written at this point. He's got this policy in check, yep. right? And he says, this is how I do things. So, yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, next question. In the sermon, Ryan said that Paul's approach was to major on the majors. What does this mean and how is it reflected in this passage? Um, I think we, we covered a bunch of the, what would be the answer to this. Agreed. But es- essentially, it's it's the idea that you don't get sidetracked with things that are not you're able to distinguish what is crucial and what is not so critical and what is appropriate to be flexible on mm-hmm. and when to be flexible on it. Yeah. How about it's a, you see Paul literally sacrifice his own financial yep. income in order to remove a stumbling block between his hearers and the gospel. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's it's not. Uh, you, maybe you're maybe you're giving up some of the liberty that you might have otherwise, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, and 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 you're just keeping in mind what is what is the most important stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, why should all Christians adopt this as their approach to life and ministry? I got it. Ready? Yeah, let us have it. Because of the gospel, so that you can be a participant in it. <laughs> oh, there you go. Nice. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, that's a good question. What does that mean? <laughs> is that something I wrote? It wrote? No, that's or? the Bible. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. You and your NET translation. Yeah, um, no, that's um, well, it's it's from that off. passage we just read. Okay, okay, that's the there last we verse go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. Well, I think like um, <laughs> being part a participant in the gospel, right? Like being um, somebody who's good at sharing, who can be flexible, no matter whom God brings into your life you're able to swim in those waters. Mm-hmm. And if you're you're so focused on things that maybe are important, right? Because usually the things that we get sidetracked from, they are of some importance, yeah. right? Just like idols, right? Like you don't make idols out of things that suck. Mm. Like they're, you're, you're gonna, they're gonna be things that really enthrall you, that you really like. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but you're uh, nevertheless, like your, your highest responsibility is to be able to bring people into the kingdom of God. And, and it's not going to be just people like you who agree with all your opinions mm-hmm. and all the things that you like to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the more you can adopt this perspective of Paul, like his personal policy and whatnot and living out this way, the wider um, the capability of your impact, right? Yeah. Um, you may be able to minister to one particular group of people and you can do that to the glory of God. Yeah. But if you have this perspective, you can probably minister to a wider subset of people. Therefore, you know, be more and more a participant in the gospel. You get yeah. to see, get to uh, be an instrument in God's hand watching the gospel go out to more and more. Yeah. So if you're like ministering to millennials, you're able to talk about space. Yeah. And vibes if you're talking vibe. to Gen Z. <laughs> and the you feels. Know, you know, wearing fanny packs. That's right. Wear fanny packs and <laughs> 90s pants. Um, okay. <laughs> Um, so does this mean that Christians can't or shouldn't be committed to anything other than the central mission of sharing the gospel? Why or why not? Uh, That's such a nuanced question. Well, I'm a very nuanced guy. Yeah. It's a very nuanced question because, um, 
I don't know if you guys have ever met anyone like this. I, I can think of a few people in my life, big time, who everything they do just somehow becomes some beautiful example of why God is awesome and his gospel is great. Mm. You know, yeah. like you're out to lunch with someone and they're just enjoying a burrito and they're just like, God made this burrito for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just a funny example. But the point is like... God sure knows how to refry those beans. <laughs> anything that you do becomes an example of a signpost that points to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that exists. And I think that is, as you increase in Christian maturity, you live that way more and you see more opportunity for that Mm. to be a signpost, right? Um, And so there's a sense in which the answer to this is, no, you shouldn't be committed to anything but the preaching of the gospel. But then the other sense is like, well, what do you mean by the preaching of the gospel? Mm -hmm. Because there may be ways in the living of your life to preach the gospel. Right. And that's where the nuance yeah. comes, the, you know, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. It's yeah, like, yeah. no, you should use words yeah. because we all use words mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. our life. And you have to. Uh, yeah. It's it, news. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but there is a way to live out the message of the gospel in what you do yeah. um, and to glorify God as in so doing. Yeah, because we, we still have to live lives. Correct. Right? It's yeah. not like you're just like leading people to faith in Christ and then mm-hmm. they've got... translates them to heaven immediately yeah and as a as a christian it's a fun practice i find to um and i mean this practice in the truest sense of the word practice um to work on and get better at seeing how what you're doing uh points to the gospel yeah and you can have more and more open eyes like wider open eyes to see more of whether or not what you're doing actually can't point to the gospel, in which case you can realize that that's actually not leading to life. That's leading to death. And yep. you should, you should exile that from your life. It's a good litmus <laughs> you know, test. It's a very like, good test. Is there a good yeah. beeline between this and the gospel? Yeah. 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 Um, are there other majors besides the central mission of sharing the gospel? And, and if so, what are they? Now, of course you could go on and on about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would say coffee. so. Yeah. Coffee is of course a major, <laughs> um, the pour over method, um, using the right ratio. No, I'm, I'm so, I mean, I think clearly moral things, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, there are moral majors, mm-hmm. um, things like, you know, abstaining from sexual immorality, mm-hmm. um, things like being honest, um, things like having integrity, right? These are things that Christians should treat as majors and as non-negotiables. Like just because something's non-negotiable doesn't mean it's like on our core statement of faith. Like there are other things that rise to that, that do rise to that level. You just have to be discerning about what those things are. Having said that, I think there's also, there also are beliefs that are not technic, right? Cause they're not technically the gospel that are mm-hmm. also majors. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look at say our core statement of faith, right? The idea that God is triune. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to understand the gospel without that knowledge? Yes. Is it major? Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Um, so um, all you know, all kinds of stuff. I think are uh, can, but uh, I think part of Christian maturity is being able to discern well what those things are and what those aren't. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that, um, the the simple test of that is it does this lead to life or does this lead to death? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't you can't it gets a lot more complicated when you ask questions like that of, of the dense and true and necessary theology of understanding um, a world in which this gospel is true. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and what makes it true and a point mm-hmm. of what makes a point net like necessary theology. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, like the triune one's a great example because at the end of the day, the gospel would not be the gospel were Christ not the 
fullness God and fullness of man. Right, right. right. As the son of God and the yes. second person of the Trinity. Ultimately, that would not be the self-sacrifice of God yeah. were it un- misunderstood. Yeah, his life, way. the reason the gospel works mm-hmm. is, at least according to our puny hun- human understanding, right, <laughs> is because Christ's life has in, in, in um, infinite value. Exactly. Right, because yeah. a, as God, um, that's why he needs to be God. Yeah, and in the and, sense that... Yeah. In, the, in the sense that that is major and it's the gospel um but or in the sense that the the under like a an evangelical or protestant understanding of the trinity is um not like necessary for the god for believing the gospel Mm -hmm. it's not that it is hey you can think differently and the gospel still works it's that this is a level deeper yeah on that truth yeah the way i kind of think of that stuff is like it's looking under the hood at how it works correct yeah. You know, it's like, but it's not like, hey, if you think something else, the gospel still applies. It's still major in the sense that it's still tied in deeply to what the gospel is. Yes, but you don't necessarily need to, like, like if you believed the gospel and never understood that mm-hmm. f- in its fullness. Yeah, like, praise God, you're still under the wings of His grace. Yeah, right? like, like, well, uh, I think of it like this: like, would there in the churches that Paul has gone about um, mm-hmm. planting, there are many Christians. The, the concept of the Trinity is not really hammered out mm-hmm. for another almost 300 years. Totally. You know, or at least like 250 or so. And so, you know, it's, um, I don't know, maybe I'm opening up more of a can of worms now than needs to be. And, um, but, you know, it's things like that. Like how ex- uh, it, once we, upon further theological reflection and development, we understand that this is an essential doctrine, mm-hmm. but in terms of like what is defined in scripture as the key message of salvation. Yeah. What would you describe as a minor that like you, a minor theological or a that minor you'd be tempted to make a big deal about? Oh gosh. I'm going to get myself in trouble if I start talking. Well, that's about, the next question. Um, yeah. Word for word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So let's say this <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I forgot that I wrote that. Um, it's all you. It's not me. So I would say very specific views on the future. Or the afterlife, perhaps, mm-hmm. like the exact nature of heaven, the exact nature of hell, mm-hmm. um, the the manner and timing of Christ's return, mm-hmm. whether Maybe or not particular there were, interpretations of the book of certain of Revelation. concepts. Yeah, <laughs> we've um, talked a lot. Yeah, Revelation. About, yep. I think uh, this might strike some as a little weird coming from me, but like whether or not there's a, a rapture before Christ returns. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. These are things that are kind of minor, you mm-hmm. know, and. Um, and they, it tends to be the things that Scripture is not that clear on. Mm-hmm. And I'm always a little bit wary when it seems to me that someone is smuggling stuff into mm. the major category. Mm. And this is just a matter of discernment, and different people have different calls as to, like, when that's occurring. But, you know, the um, Christians all the time, I'm sure myself included, I'm not mm-hmm. totally guilt-free on this matter but we'll try to smuggle things that are minor into the major list hmm. but yeah so those are a few the color things. of the carpet yeah color, yeah color of the carpet that's a that's an easy one right like but i'm but i mean i'm sure it has it, it has, has been a big I'm deal sure it has, yeah. yeah yeah i mean i i remember uh signage being uh you know having a lot of yeah um there being a lot of questions about that uh, at my last church and like <laughs> pews or chairs, coffee in the sanctuary or not. <laughs> yeah. 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 Stuff <laughs> like that. That's a different category, but it is also, it's definitely a minor category that yep. people do 
uh, get worked up about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, people get worked up about. Yeah. A lot. Although, like you had started with, there are theological things that you would describe as minor in that sense. Kinds of music that we sing. Totally, and yeah. talk, go back to the unity uniformity thing. It's like I can completely disagree about what is the most efficacious way to spend our time in music together with a brother of mine whom I can love oh. and agree with in gospel centered. Uh, in a gospel-centered relationship, dude. Some some of the stuff that has caused me the most like grief as a pastor has been music related. Really, not so much at emergence because I don't really touch music <laughs> that much here. Well, people get very passionate Except, about it. Yeah, yeah. People get pa- very passionate about a very subjective thing. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, we could go into that for a while here, but I certainly could. Yeah, I well, yeah, I'm sure you can. <laughs> Shoot me some emails. I'd love uh, yeah, to chat. Exactly. Yeah, emails. Have you, <laughs> you could definitely. Yeah, uh, I've had some interesting email exchanges about music. Um, uh-huh. Embrace the gospel personally is the final piece of uh, big, um, you know, for for a good life here that yep. that Brian mentioned. So, leaders, it's your call if you'd like to have your group read the account of Paul's arrest in t- verses 27 through 40. If not, here's a summary of what happens. Okay. Again, just because, you know, in interest of time. Why don't or... I read your summary instead of the verse? Yeah, read this. All right, here read we that go. summary. Near the end of the seven days of purification in the temple, Paul was recognized by the Jewish leaders from Asia, think Ephesus, who had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost. They falsely accuse him of defiling the temple by bringing a Gentile with him. Because defiling the temple was a capital offense, a mob is about to kill Paul, but he is saved at the last minute by some of the Roman soldiers charged with keeping the peace in Jerusalem. The soldiers take Paul into custody, unsure of the charges against him and the facts of the case, and the angry mob follows them. Before being taken into the barracks, Paul asks the commander to be allowed to address the crowd. His request is granted, and he begins speaking to them in the Hebrew language, probably Aramaic. All right. Good, good uh, summary. Would you say? I would say so. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, can you clarify the Hebrew language? Probably Aramaic. Comment, just out of curiosity. Yeah. So the the language that was spoken among Jews commonly then was Aramaic, not not Hebrew. Would that be considered the Hebrew language? Yeah, the, the way he- it's said, yeah, or the Hebrew- is it say speaking in their own language and we just it says intuit di- that that's it says Hebrew. dialectos. So it would be like speaking the language in, in of the, the Hebrews. Language of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so speaking in the language they spoke yes. is a good yeah, literal well, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. way to say that. It's just that we know that like that's what was when people from other texts and stuff we know mm. that uh, when you read the Hebrew dialectos, um, often it's referring to 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 Hebrew to to Aramaic rather. Mm. Like that's what like targums end up getting written in and stuff like that. Like you read the Dead Sea Scrolls, for example, like written that's, in Aramaic. Yeah, and every time. Um, Every time the gospel writers also, this is a pretty easy one, right? Uh, like quote a, um, an original language term and says, which means this. They're always doing Aramaic stuff. Hmm. Like Eli, Eli, Lema, Sabachthani is is Aramaic, right? Hmm. Because Hebrew is Lema, Azavtani. I was going to say it's right? still Eli. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, so so stuff like okay. that. Sorry yeah. for that aside. No, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Maranatha. Right, come, mm-hmm. Lord Jesus. That's yep. in Aramaic. Um, hmm. Yeah. Um, Point okay. is, he speaks to them in their very own language. It feels in more their intimate. very own language. Well, and plus, because it's this again, he's trying to really amp up his Jewish bona f- bona yeah, fides. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Showing them who he is. Yeah. So let's uh, read Acts twenty-two one through five. I'll go ahead and take that one go here. Go for it, brothers and fathers. Hear the defense that I now make before you. 
And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialectos, <laughs> they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, uh, brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. A little compliment there, right? <laughs> I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Notice he's still referring to them as his brothers. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why does Paul begin by recounting who he was before he became a Christian? Testimony. I mean, the power of, right, the power of his story mm -hmm. is in knowing where he was and the, so that the big reveal of who he is and what he believes today yep. has all the strength it does. Yeah, and he's yeah. essentially saying, as you feel about me right now, I once felt about all of the Christians. Yeah. Yeah, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. He's not... He's not like, he doesn't start off going for the juggler like you idiots and, mm. you know, um, it's more yeah, like. He's very winsome. Yeah. In calling them brothers and saying, in pointing out their ze their zeal, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a good thing. You know, he understands that for them, it's, it's good to be zealous for the law. Yeah. Um, what purpose does one's testimony of life before Christ serve in the Christian life? Martus, man. You get to be the witness on the stand pointing to what Jesus has done. Yeah. Other people who look on and listen to your story get to see the glory of Jesus in it. Yeah. And maybe see themselves in it a little bit too. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, they might share some of those experiences and see the fulfilled, the fulfillment of longings they share in your own life. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think of like... Um, I often think of it this way, like uh, you, you, through your testimony, you could show people like, uh, by God's grace, I am not what I one day will be, but I am not what I once was. Mm. And uh, that's like, uh, you know, I think like what we're trying to communicate. And because when people encounter you now, what do they see? They see someone who's a Christian, somebody mm -hmm. who's maybe been a Christian for years, whose life is built around it now. Mm -hmm. But realizing and, and it kind of helps them step into your shoes a little bit. You know, yeah. Um, read Acts twenty-two. Oh, I should also say another purpose is it does. It's a testimony to the glory of God. Yeah, it is a testimony to God's power. Okay, uh, you want to read Acts twenty-two read six, six to 11. eleven? Yeah, here yeah. we go. Um, <clears throat> As I was en route and near Damascus, about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. Then I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" I answered, "Who are you, Lord?" And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. Those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. So I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, get up, go to Damascus. There you will be told about everything that you have been designated to do. Since I could not see because of the brilliance of that light, I came to Damascus led by the hand of those who were with me. Yeah. In the sermon, Ryan pointed out, that the most significant point in Paul's life was when he realized he was wrong. What was it like for you when you realized you were wrong about Jesus? Mm. Um, yeah, for me, I think I've mentioned my testimony a couple times, <clears throat> so I won't go into it in that much detail here, but I remember um, it was essentially John six sixty eight being shared with me. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
<clears throat> in the midst of this great realization of what a hypocrite I was and everything. And, um, and I remember, cause I remember like, for me, it was never like, I first intellectually believed when I was like nine years old, mm. but for me, what I was wrong about was that Jesus was not worth following. Like that I was better off following my own pleasure, my own will, um, the things that I liked, immediate gratification, um, doing things that would impress people or whatever, whether it be music or, or you know, or, or, or something else. Um, or your amazing quick wit. The quick wit, of course, yes. That's usually what people stand in awe of. Um <laughs> Yeah, the um, so so for me, realizing I was wrong about Jesus was I was wrong that it was not mm. good to follow him, you mm. know, and that I would not find satisfaction in him uh, and needed to turn to more immediate forms of gratification. Yeah. So in a very personal sense, like what was it like when you realized that that's not the case? When, it was know? exciting. Yeah. It was like like a new like it was like life was opened up in front of me. Mm. I wasn't like, um, it, it, and it was, it was cool realizing that like, I didn't have to make a life for my life to be <clears throat> worthwhile, but that life was something that I received mm -hmm. that I, ju that I just had to receive God's grace and I had to receive Jesus. And that like, I get it's, it was the feeling that no matter like no matter what I've done up to a second to go, mm -hmm. I have everything right now I need to be completely right with God and to have everything I need. Mm -hmm. If if I died in this spot, I have everything that I that I need. Yeah, you could talk about it in the sense of uh, works trying to make your way into heaven, right? But to yeah. make to kind of ground it in a sense that we all speak about a little bit more uh, understandably, um, there's the sense in which all of us are working in order to obtain life like true life, right? And so the realization, no matter how it's painted in anyone's particular story, but the realization that I don't need to do any more work to obtain life mm -hmm. is ironically, and when you're exhausted and you have that realization, ironically, it, it's the thing, it's the very thing that fills you, Yeah, you know? And so you can go and pursue life in such a way, um, knowing it's like, it's not, it's not, uh, it will not depart from you if you fail to pursue it. You know, you're just a yeah, recipient a great, of life yeah. in Christ. Yeah. yeah, it won't depart from you if you fail to pursue it. That's, yeah. yeah. All right, let's read that last section here. Uh, Acts 22, uh, 12 through 16. Take it away, Pastor Dave. All right. And one, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me, and standing by me, he said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the, that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Uh, and now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. How does Paul's description of Ananias help him establish his case against the accusations made against him? So remember, he, the accusations against Paul is that he doesn't give a rip about the law anymore, that he's yep. defiling the, the temple. How does he describe Ananias, though? He describes Ananias as a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, mm. right? 
Um, so, you know, the guy who basically, you know, gave me my training wheels, <laughs> somebody who cared deeply for the law of God. Mm, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, describe the time when you first understood and, and embraced the truth of the gospel. So this is obviously going to be a heavy testimony time. Yeah, and this is going to be personal to everyone's story. Yeah, very personal. Um, I, I find, ironically, I guess speaking to the nerdiness of my love for scriptural stuff, um, I, a lot of my first deep, true understanding of the gospel came in the realization that the uh, text of scripture is actually trustworthy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so nice. I, I did a lot of personal study on like, what do we know about these manuscripts and how are they different from other ancient manuscripts and yeah. et cetera. And as weird as that is to me, that was one of those things where it's like, I feel I can put my stake in the ground now here. Yep. Um, and that was a uh, very freeing time to know that I can now spend my energy learning about the word and not, and uh, I don't need to concern as much energy as I did wondering if it's trustworthy. Learning about the word rather than worrying about the word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah That's big for me. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I guess, um, because the answer to this will be varied from person to person. Um, I guess the only point point of advice that I would have towards this is um, try to encourage the people in your group whose testimony is not like I was dealing crack and murdering people mm-hmm. and, you know, I met Jesus, you know, like super dramatic, like, like darkness to light. Like, um, for, so you may have a lot of people in your group who are like, well, I just, my parents have always brought me to church. And, um, you know, I remember when I was in third grade, mm-hmm. I, you know, like that's a beautiful testimony too. That's yep. a testimony to the power of God, yes, of, of, of somebody who, um, you know, whom the, the Lord um, was powerful in their family and uh, so that the children would grow up knowing Jesus. Like that's a, that's a great testimony also. So like be, 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 care, be cautious and careful to, um, to exalt those as much as you would exalt something dramatic, yeah, something and a dramatic conversion. Just to add to that, I would say be, be careful to be delicate with people's stories too. You yeah. Know, people... Um, no matter what people's responses are to other people sharing their stories, you know, like as one of the leaders, it's very much your responsibility to make sure that people's stories are being honored as they share them. Yep. You know, um, uh, we are walking in unity here. Yeah. You know, and yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it's and easy it's God's to get into work. the comparison game here, but yeah. that's not what this is about. It's God's work. Yeah. Like you're going to denigrate that. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. 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 It's true. Careful how you talk about another artist's work, you know, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you to to judge the servant of another, Mm. as Paul would say. Yep. Um, Okay, and then uh, your prayer items. Praise God for giving us clarity of purpose. Amen. Pray that God would give you a heart for his glory above all things and that this would bring courage to your walk with Jesus. And finally, pray for help in seeing which things God wants you to major on and which ones he wants you to minor on. Just to real quick before we finish up yeah um, that second one pray mm-hmm. that god would give you a heart for his glory above all things yeah um just sp- sparked into my brain while you were saying it um john piper has a wonderful quote about how god is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him oh yeah and so if that uh, if anyone Classic else is jp it, if anyone else is thinking about that um yeah let's go let's go and be satisfied in god to his glory together yeah. this week amen amen Okay, so that's about it for our study. Now for the moment that you've all been waiting for. Um, Actually, 
there is an individual here with me who is not Jordan. You may not know this, but I just paused and Jordan had to take off and I brought another seltzer expert in for our review this week. It is none other than my partner from last week, Mr. Do I have to say my name? Yeah, you got to say right. your name. Jordan Marotti. That's Just kidding. Right. No, it's Curtis. It's Curtis. <laughs> it's Kurt. yeah. We got Curtis again yeah. here. Which means it's going to be a long seltzer review Su- again. Suited up in his, uh, in his uh, what is that, uh, his, his lacrosse pullover. Were you about to head out the door when I grabbed you? No, I was not. Oh, okay. No, it's yeah, just I'll a be little here chilly all... here today. Yeah, it's chilly. The heater's not really working all that great. I feel very. Or are we saving I've money? I've got a sweater maybe, on. Maybe we're saving some money. That's right. Church. I don't know. But. So okay, today. Now this is a seltzer that I re- I I. I actually brought this in because I thought I'd be doing the review with Kristen, and she always criticizes me for bringing gross seltzers in when it's her turn to go. Mm. But she had some childcare issues today. Um, so I was like, why don't I bring in a really good one? This is what I refer to as my desert Island seltzer. Uh, if I was stranded and I had one to drink, what would it be? Now I would also need a refrigerator because this seltzer, like many others is way better cold than it is having baked in the desert Island sun. Fair, fair. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so this is none other than the cranberry lime seltzer by polar. If you haven't tried this, you need to. I'll recommend it in advance. So this is mainly Curtis's taste. Have you had this before? No, this is and this is high praise. This, this is yeah. I mean, you'll be disappointed. Now I'm we're we're drinking it out of a bottle. I kind of recommend the cans more. Hmm. It's like the heady topper of uh, of seltzers, but um, yeah. All right. So take a whiff of it first. Okay. Okay. So, oh yeah okay yeah i'm smelling something very beautiful fruitiness yeah um yeah you know uh like uh yeah i mean you've got i'd say cranberry wine right up the middle like a 50 50 but not the yeah well yeah so i mean just to continue on with my journey for those who were here last week so i've been having a little bit of dental issues i guess you could call them <laughs> a couple of cavities yes. is what the the dentist will refer to them as but another you know treat that i love is is a bag of fruit snacks oh. love a bag of fruit snacks like like the like chewy ones like the oh yeah chewy haunt no yeah chewy yeah the chewy curtis is also a little into star wars in case you don't know uh but no so you know i'm i should probably cut back on those too but i just from the smell that's giving me the same sort of feeling i get when i down yeah it smells like you're sticking your nose into a bag of fruit snacks exactly very good call i'm looking forward to sipping this cheers cheers yeah okay yeah One more. All right, yeah. I mean, there's a whole bottle here. So these, we drink out of super small cups. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think it's kind of hard to beat it. I, I feel like it's a more genuine cranberry flavor than any cranberry seltzer that I've, that I've had. Mm-hmm. But it's not overpowering where you feel like you're drinking straight up cranberry juice and you get that kind of astringent flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh. then the lime just balances it a lot. Like there's a lot of both flavors in it. Oh, definitely. I like the hashtag for the seltzer. 
Uh, what, hashtag for the seltzer. Oh, is that what? It, yeah, look at that. Hashtag. Oh, that's polar seltzer. Pol, oh, po, 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 the, oh. For, for the seltzer would be better. Though. All right. Um, we could start that up. That would Everybody be Everybody nice. start hashtagging for, for the, seltzer. the seltzer. And the company will and get share no. this episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm like. Don't, don't feel like you need to talk it up just because I'm so excited about it. It's got a, a distinct la- lack of ginger. Oh, I yeah, will say no, that much. Yeah, there's no ginger in it. Yeah. So it's also got a lack of blueberry <laughs> and a lack of orange for that matter. <laughs> it's got a lack of... I know, but ginger is really what sells it for me. So You like the ginger seltzers a lot. I just like ginger. This would be good with a little ginger flavor in it. It would be nice. Be gross and put a little ginger powder in there. I also like the horse and carriage on it. That the, I, I will say. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. What what uh, what review? What on a scale of one to five bubbles? What are you giving Polar's cranberry lime? Hmm. I gotta go four point eight. Oh, four point eight. eight bubbles. You're is that what you gave the ginger last week too? Dead. I mean, I can't even taste. It's a dead difference. heat. It's a yeah. dead heat. No, I mean it's yeah, it's four point eight. I mean that's a solid. Yeah, I would buy it. Now wait, what's the price on it? Okay, so um, <laughs> lately I've only been buying seltzers that are on sale. Mm-hmm. I get uh, four of these bottles for five bucks, so buck twenty five for this. Um, if you're not buying it on sale, I, I never really buy it if it's not on sale. Like the mm-hmm. twelve pack is like five bucks or something. That's a little more than I like to spend on seltzers. Gotcha. Gotcha. I don't. Nobody do the math. Maybe I'm paying the same amount right now for the bottles, but I, I actually I've become a fan of using the bottles lately, given mm. the current economy, um, because you're not committed to drinking a whole can. Mm. You know, you could pour a little bit, and it, it tends to last longer. Yeah, you know, another thing that's been bad for my teeth. Um, so when I whenever I have a can of something, I take the top of it off and then pop it right off. Me- don't tell me you chew the metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you? Is that what yeah. you do? Oh, I used to. I like used a piece to. of gum? Yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, I chipped a couple teeth doing that. So, right there. Really? Yeah. All right. So, I, I, I prefer pro, bottle two. Pro tip, Just, do not chew aluminum can, yeah, can yeah. tops. <laughs> so, yeah, the bottle is definitely better for me. Just Everybody's like, wow, Curtis is hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Some and people, then I have some nails people like the breakfast. toothpick. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. All right. So, um, yeah, I give it a solid five. This is one of my favorite all time. So if you haven't before, go out and pick up the Polar cra- Cranberry Lime Seltzer. You will not be disappointed. Mm. And if my dentist is listening... Yeah. I'm sorry. Be proud. What you mean because of the the top? The I don't know. Tops? I'm just You're sorry. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I I, I do them wrong. You know. Snack. Yeah. But well, not snacks. probably not. I mean, he makes sounds like he makes a good living off of you. <laughs> okay. Fair. <laughs> fair. Uh, well. Uh, yeah. Anyhow. All right, man. Well. Um, well, that's about it for this week. So thank you for joining me. Jordan definitely missed out today. Mm. Um, but we drank some good coffee, so that that's good. Um, I've drank a lot over the last hour or so. All right. Coffee? Well, yeah, uh, coffee and now this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, just to clarify. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so thanks for being with us. Um, and thanks for leading the group as always. And until we're with you again next week, take care. Be blessed. Bye-bye.